I thought maybe we were going to pretend this was already the second half of the show. Nah. We'll just kick it off with him. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. <sighs> I love hearing the song in stereo again instead of squashed over a zoom Are we line. going to use it constructively? Definitely not. It'll be up to you. And you, and you too. You too. Well, hey, Todd. Um, I saw this sheep, this like young sheep, driving a. Um, uh, he was driving in a swimsuit, driving down the road. A young sheep driving in a swimsuit down the road. You say? Yeah. Uh, I think the car was a lamb bikini. Oh boy, that was. I I I can't play any. You can't play anything. To, any that's my. No, that's my. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Brett. <laughs> that was that was awful, Brett. So with us, we save have, us already. We need your help. We have Brett Moore with us, uh, and uh, Brett is a uh, is my business partner. We do web development things, and uh, Brett's kind of expertise is in blockchain, crypto, decentralized apps of, of various sorts. And uh, welcome to the show, Brett Moore. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Good. Well, I'm hoping it could be better after, yeah, oh, nice. After Mark's oh, intro. Go. So can you can you do us one better, Brett, please? <laughs> well, uh, I, don't, I forget, do you guys like country music? Uh, kind, of, kind of fans eh, of country music. It's all right. Music. Yeah. Did you know every national anthem is a country song? It is? <laughs> That's I'm the, waiting for the noise. I know. I I pressed my button, but my my computer is is not working. I'll give I you a. Oh no! I don't know the buttons on Mark's. Oh, here we go. Wait, what's the question? You missed the joke. I you said every national anthem is a country song. Oh, oh it's a song about kind of a one liner. how a letter from the future. Oh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I enjoyed your joke, Brad. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, but this this came up. Um, we're 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 talking to Brett. We, uh, Mark, and I, and and some other people were actually out and about in public at public places on Friday night. Uh, first to celebrate the Unipipers beer release down at um, somewhere where you would also get murdered on the train tracks <laughs> had you been there three hours <laughs> earlier or later. You mean? You mean? Brett's old stomping grounds. He literally used yeah, to work. I, I lived right there. He used to live wow. a block and a half from gigantic breweries. <laughs> Shots are fired. Oh, that's right. That's where you almost died from having too much right. uh, ghost pepper. Yes. How, how soon I forget. But yeah, we had a great time. We went out there and when we went to um, a, a different bar and hung out and, and Mark and Brett were sort of talking about blockchain type of, of stuff as as they tend to do when they're, they're together, I guess. But we thought it would be a great opportunity because we on the show, we have talked about it a couple times, maybe, but still kind of in a flailing. We weren't quite sure what we were explaining or how we were explaining it. And and since you, Brett, know, uh, know it well enough to be able to speak to it, we thought it would be fun to have you on the show and and educate us a little bit more about some of the things that we've all been hearing. Because, I mean, even not just blockchain, but of course, then there's um, 
Bitcoin and now NFTs and all of this hoopla and, and stuff uh, around it. And I think people are just craving to be like, but what is this? What is all of this NFT, Ethereum, <clears throat> blockchain, Bitcoin? So <laughs> what is? Sure. What is? So yeah. let's just start at a big high level of, can you talk what about the, the difference between centralized and decentralized systems? Sure. So we're used to logging into a website that's fed from a single database, which is most of the time hosted on the same server. Uh, all a blockchain really is, is that same database spread across like a giant network of computers. And these, the incentive for these computers to run this network is uh, they get um, usually kind of a reward for doing that. And that's what uh, Typically, you guys might have heard the term a miner or mining for Bitcoin. Yeah. That's basically you hosting part of that network so that the database is, is on your kind of, you know, you have a piece of it. Somebody else has a piece of it. They're keeping in sync real time. So, and I don't want to get too much into, into crypto, but one thing I always wondered was like with all of these people, I'm minting my own cool ape coin or whatever they're doing. How... Yeah. How do you so, how do you get value into that blockchain to then sell it? You know what I just I don't know if that's the right way to ask that question, but like if I wanted to start yeah. the Mark and Todd cast coin, how how does that work? Yeah. So there's a number of different ways you can do that. Um, the rules are still kind of being written, but there is kind of a industry standard, so to say, and that's uh, with Ethereum, right? And so like coins are a standard of ERC-20 was like the first kind of token standard. And those are like your coins uh, that lived on the Ethereum blockchain. And you could write a contract, you'd pick how many, or a smart contract, you'd pick how many coins you wanted in your kind of ecosystem. They'd all mint initially, you'd get them assigned to your wallet, or there's different ways of distributing them too. You could have a crowd sale, you could airdrop them. There's a bunch of different kind of um, methods for distribution. And so on built on top of that, right, you have the the new kind of um, NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Yeah. And so the first thing that we talked about is uh, ERC-20, and that's a fungible token. Um, and so the difference between fungible and non-fungible, I guess, for the uh, people not in the know is fungible is how many I have non-fungible is which one i have so like huh. uh, us dollars they're all worth the same i have 20 you have two i have more us dollars than you right but my house and your house are obviously in different neighborhoods they're doing you know there you might have a three bedroom two bath i have a three bedroom one bath on a half acre lot whatever right and so they might be worth U.S. dollars, but they're two different kind of assets. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. And so the value of these non-fungible tokens is not really stored on the blockchain. They're basically stored like uh, how a house has value, what somebody's willing to pay for them. Okay. So that's and why so it's, everything really is so ripe for grifting right now is because there's no exactly. true value to anything. Exactly. Correct. Yes. And so the real like uh, the real value comes from like 
it being able to prove origin and ownership. And so the way that Ethereum, because right, we're talking to this huge distributed database. So it's a very, very simple mechanism. It just stores little transaction hashes. And one of those transaction hatches are is like your identity in the Ethereum ecosystem, right? So uh, there's this really kind of famous example, I guess, of NFTs, probably the most famous because it's one of the ones where it's like, this sold for $50 million or whatever that number was. It's from an, a 3D artist. Yeah. His name is Beeplecrap. Beeple and because he posted his wallet address online, people wanted to buy these digitalized pieces of art that proved that they were from him, right? And to some people that has a lot of value. To me, I would not spend $50 million on a, uh, yeah, nothing. basically <laughs> a transaction hash, but the, the concept of it is really powerful, right? Cause like, um, well, yeah, I was going to, I was going to say okay. that, that it, like, I don't think NFTs as they are today are, will be, is a thing that's going to last, but usually things like that are the pre iteration of, you know, what 10, 20 years from now will just be a basic, you know, type of thing that we do as humanity. And I'm wondering where you see an application that we're seeing, you know, we're seeing nonsense of cool ape NFTs being sold, you know, to especially celebrities to talk about them on TV. And then that drives up the blah, blah, blah. And like, clearly that's just a market that is waiting to crash but I'm wondering what the thing is that will live out of this that will become the useful thing. Do you have any ideas about what that might be? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, so for, for one, like the deed of my house could now be digitalized and now it's living on the blockchain and everybody knows that I own this house because it's proven right here. You can go look up any transaction that's on that blockchain and they'd see that I own this property, right? Uh, another, kind of example would be like personal identity or your online identity. Like you don't have to share all of this data with everyone. You can just log in with that transaction hash and you don't, they don't have to know who you are, what you're doing, but they have a spot where they could store data and you're the only person that could make that connection. Instead of typing in your username and password, like you're usually doing, you're just basically logging in, uh, with your MetaMask is the kind of popular wallet that's being used right now. And uh, the site knows nothing about you other than that transaction ID, but it can still function as if you typed your username and password in. It's the same type, type of privacy and security that's involved there. Okay. Um, so we, we have this, we have this sense, oh, like this promise that uh, blockchain and, and decentralized systems are truly decentralized and don't have kind of a single owner. But I think that that's currently kind of a fallacy. There's several gatekeepers in the current system with Ethereum and and OpenSea and you know uh, the what like. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like the absolutely the farce so of decentralization that currently yeah so uh most people right now um store blockchain data especially with nfts this is a, a really good prime example here and then we can get into like uh blockchain oracles next but first i just want to talk about like how if two main companies 
were to close their doors and shut off their servers, how every NFT would become obsolete, almost all the valuable ones, at least. Uh, those two companies are Infura and Pinata. Okay. Pinata pins your files to uh, this kind of new file sharing protocol called IPFS or Interplanetary File System. <laughs> it's a distributed file system that stores hashes on it um, in its simplest, I'm trying to think of a very simple way to describe it. It stores a little hash. You can then take that hash and plug it into any IPFS and your image will render. Is, right? ha is hash just like a word for like a small piece of code or something? <clears throat> uh, uh, hash is like a like fingerprint. A very, yeah, like almost like a sentence of different characters that are all like, okay. we're talking like probably uh, less than 256 characters. Yeah. Um, you can take that hash, plug it into any IPFS, and then your uh, image will render. Well, Pinata hosts and runs their own IPFS servers, so they're storing all these images. They actually uh, have their a big part of what they do is like visualizing these NFTs. So, like OpenSea can, you know, when you go and look at them online. You're actually seeing the image and not just like the hash, right? And so if Pinata went down, uh, everything would be, you wouldn't see any more images. People would just be looking at transaction hashes. And I feel like the value of these items is you want to be able to see your image. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then Infura, uh, kind of the same way, but they're hosting like metadata. And so each of these tokens has kind of, metadata that's associated with them. So um, like the name and the description of, of what this item is. Um, and so if that went down, you would no longer have the, because all that's stored on the blockchain is a link to these sites basically. And if these sites went down, like you wouldn't know anything about this really. Well, and that, that makes me wonder like all of these, since, since it seems like everybody's hopping on trying to do all this stuff, you know, there's no, there would be no recourse for these places that are pumping their own cryptocurrency or this or that. And just to take the money and just like turn off that hash or whatever. And then they just walk away and there's a nothing that you can do about it. Right. Yeah. It happens, happens all the time. All the time. Um, it's called a carpet pool. <laughs> well, and then the, yeah. And then the ironic part will be is like, Oh, we'll get a trusted name in whatever, like whatever company that you right. guys just talked about, which will then grow to be the biggest and most, powerful thing because now it's like we're just replacing systems of authority because at some point you still do need authority to run things right. correctly and equitably and, and all of that stuff else it's just everyone's on the silk road <laughs> <laughs> silk road downloading everything from the pirate bay yeah huh it seems yeah so it um there's I, I mean, I think those problems can be solved, though, in the future. I just think right now it was easier to get up and running as these companies because they provided the tools necessary into kind of the uh, uh, I'm doing quotation marks with my hands, but decentralized architecture that needs to be available. Right. And so they made it easy for developers such as me and Mark to just uh, send some data over and it's kind of packaged up, all ready to go into these different protocols and stuff. Um, but I think as the 
space grows and the space gets bigger and it's more kind of widely adopted, uh, those two services will become more decentralized. It's just a very long process. To be clear, though, the whole Ethereum chain is actually decentralized. Like there's, it's running on a ton of different networks. It's just all the tools that are used to interact with it are controlled by these that's, companies. That's small few. Up. Yes. Um, and so, like, that's a really good, a really good example of that is uh, there's kind of so blockchains don't really know anything about the outside world, and so how we tell the blockchain what's going on is this new concept it's called an oracle which is basically a computer that's outside of the blockchain that only communicates with the blockchain but that computer has uh access to different mediums of the outside world and so one of those things is like the current price of ethereum right so in the us or wherever i guess the the world um the price of Ethereum is constantly changing. It's going up 5%, it's going down 10%, whatever. The, the blockchain has no idea what that value is. And so the new kind of um, space that's emerging is like called decentralized finance. And they're providing a lot of tools that your bank would normally provide. Um, but one of those things is like, it has to know the price of Ethereum if you're gonna offer somebody a loan on the blockchain, right? And so to the, enter in the Oracle concept, and right now the big company that manages these Oracles is called Chainlink, and they're not truly decentralized, but they're working towards it. It's like a, they have a roadmap. But for right now, it's basically, they'll spend you up a server, that's your kind of Oracle, and you can load code on it that interacts with the blockchain. And on the blockchain, you also have code which reads from this Oracle. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to play it in losing. I'm well, I'm going to back up and ask an, uh, some more basic questions that I will say is on behalf of our audience, but really are just things that I don't understand. So in all of these conversations, we're all talking about, Oh, this is going to be on the blockchain. It's going to be decentralized. And I know what both of those words mean, but I don't, I don't know what they mean. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? So, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. so like I get, I get going from like a checkbook that I have to write in by hand to the internet that, Oh, now you can do it over the computer. I'm trying to think because like, this is still on the computer. This is still me doing that. Like, what is it that would, would it be fair to say like what we're talking about are ledgers. We're talking about a big list of, uh, ownership of something. So you have a hash that's an I, your ID that is only you and you have a highly encrypted way of accessing that and and it's it's clearly only you. Then I transfer a file to you that gets notated on the blockchain. And so it says Todd's hash plus Mark's file now it's Todd's file, and that transaction is then distributed amongst all of the decentralized networks that are, are copying this ledger of accountability. So when somebody in, in uh, Vietnam looks up and, and says, well, who owns that file? They look up on that 
lit down that register and say Todd owns that file. And that that's all very well and good, <laughs> but <laughs> like a, how many of us are owning? I'm I'm just trying right. to bring this down to like totally. people level where in the future. And so like right now, I don't own a lot of files that I have to prove right. it that I can't just do over the internet anyway. But I'm wondering when you were talking about everyone, the rest of the blockchain has access to this file. So like, let's say I go to the hospital here in Oregon, something happens, you know, they take all the notes, they put that on the blockchain so that other, like, then I end up in the hospital in Florida or whatever, they can access that too. But I guess it comes back to like, well, they can access it now. Like well, what yeah, I only, only because right now, Kaiser exists. Right now, right now, somebody, somebody can go that's right now. It's all in one database. I could, we could go pull the plug to that place and the medical records could get hacked they could get destroyed they could get whatever right and that whole system could crash the idea of having it be decentralized is it's not always just on this one computer it's on fifteen thousand different computers okay. and they're all sharing this knowledge if ten of thousand of those computers wiped away they would still have the network functioning as if there were more okay right so it would it's it's a uh like no one person controls this. There's nobody behind the scenes steering it in whatever way. There's nobody, you know, scraping personal information. There's no real way to kind of hack this. So um, the I mean, there, there, obviously, there obviously is ways to. Sure, sure. But this impact, it seems like will be mostly... It'll it the impact it will impact us all, but it'll be more noticed by people like you and Mark who program or people who are like into security and like those things. It it seems and like more of it'll it's exciting behind the scenes. A lot of it will feel the same on uh, the consumer end. Like we're still using a credit card, we're still using a pin number or a hash or something like there's that. There's not an adopted killer app, right? Yet, uh, nope. Yeah. Uh my favorite sentence with blockchain right now is it's a great solution without a problem. Interesting. Okay. And that's probably uh, why it is still so difficult to wrap our heads around because like right. it's looking at the formula for how the earth rotates around the sun, but without having any concept of what the earth or sun is. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. we could have a worldwide standard of, logistics of moving products from one position to another right and currently this thing is here it's it's on its way there and once it gets there it's there right that could be all decentralized and part of a, a massive global blockchain that everyone uses for all logistics and you know something like that could exist but it doesn't and it won't right. while we still have UPS and FedEx and DHL pulling all those strings, they're not going to open up that network. And so it would take a Herculean effort at a grassroots level of dissatisfaction with those big companies to decentralize it in a way that I was going to say, works. because I don't think big companies and people with money will want to totally. decentralize exactly. things. Exactly. And that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the, the, the big, the rub issue at the moment is uh while i mean while blockchain has gotten so big that it's going to be hard to put back in its bag um 
we're not sure where it's going to go or how it's going to manifest itself. So this into is sort of sort of like emojis. yeah yeah <laughs> this right. is sort of like explaining the internet to someone in like 1982 right. where you're like well you can look up someone's paper on something and it's like well why would i ever want to or need to do that and then not envisioning yeah, and who's gonna own the paper and where's the uh, paper yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. And where where is that <laughs> you know all it's those good in the computer <laughs> right huh well, that makes me feel better that it is it is more difficult to comprehend because it's a solution to a problem that we haven't identified yet. And that kind of helps me wrap my head around why it is hard to be like, I know that word, but I don't in this context that you might as well be saying purple elephant dinosaur. Yeah. So besides logistics and, and movement of things, Brett, what other industries do you see ripe for revolution with blockchain? Uh, I mean, I, I think the, the biggest one is finance. I, I agree. Um, I, it, like, because, you, you know, right now you have the U.S. dollar, which is controlled by the, the central bank, right? Like, as soon as there's something wrong with the economy, uh, the central bank just pumps a bunch of cash into the system, right? And it's kind of... Uh, and, and the Rothschilds and, and the... Right, and, and it kind of ends up. It, it kind of ends up in a select few people's pockets at the end of the day, right? And I mean, uh, Bitcoin is at the is at the spot where it's it's kind of doing the same thing. But I think that Ethereum is less so like that. Um, and Ethereum has kind of the 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 catalyst to what makes blockchain really cool is that you can write smart contracts those contracts then can kind of govern uh, transactions between two parties. Um, and the reason they're called smart contracts, they're just, they're exactly like that. They're a contract between you and another person or uh, two entities that engage to do something. Um, they're the notary connect. republic of, yeah. or the notary public, I guess, not republic. <laughs> the notary and so there's, they call, right? You know, yeah. there's really cool things that you can, like there's um, kind of equity pools that are starting to pop up where you can um, park cash and earn interest on your Ethereum. Um, not not cash, but like Ethereum. And but you could, you know, trade your cash in for this digital currency, park it here, you get paid interest on it so much a month for letting them loan out your Ethereum to other people. Right. And that's basically exactly how the banking system works it's now just uh more decentralized huh <laughs> and then the do conversation we, do, we to do we lose you Tom? yeah i mean <laughs> I, I, I i'm sorry well, I, I did I mean, get distracted it's still wondering why my bluetooth doesn't work but <laughs> I, I mean uh I, I i don't i know that uh ukraine has been um using cryptocurrency in in some form like the the citizens there have been using cryptocurrency in some form during wartime because it's um an easy vehicle to to put your money into if you know the economy is collapsing or whatever and you can then go in to anywhere in the world and, and one ethereum is is equal to one ethereum right it's right. not like you're 
bring in your uh i don't even know what the ukrainian currency is just somebody i do not nope to do wherever and uh having it you know right right of what it's worth it's it's always going to be the ethereum value wherever you are right and that makes sense kind of a, which, is, which is kind of a powerful uh concept in itself there's now globalized currencies right where before we just had kind of you know the u.s dollar uh is is somewhat of a global currency yeah but it's maybe gold not yeah gold yeah and who but yeah both of those things yeah. yeah 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 gold and so it's a very um interesting kind of um opportunity i guess for crypto to to take advantage of and really push that front and so i think that's what the the space has kind of been doing um recently with the decentralized finance push interesting the currency of ukraine is the harivna harivna okay do that again harivia i barely knew her that's what they say. That's what they say in Ukraine. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. Well, that's good. I do feel like, I mean, at some point, I, I just because of my own limitations, I often feel like I'm just circling the drain with my understanding of it, not being able to get out of it. But this, I, I do appreciate this time. I, I feel like I'm walking away with at least a few tidbits that help <laughs> form the puzzle, you know, and like every time I get one more piece of that puzzle the the picture becomes more clear so i i am glad for the clarity that you have brought brett we're we're moving yeah, the ball and, forward Keep yeah going. and i uh, i'm i i apologize to to you and the listeners so i get really excited about when i talk about it because it's <laughs> such a, a interesting concept to me and, and i feel like it has so much potential but it has yet to find it's like true right society um where like i said before like right now the only people that really, you know, if you, you're associating cryptocurrency with like rocket emojis and moon <laughs> emojis, and stuff, you know, and like right. And that's not, that's not, uh, and while it's fine to like get a little bit of attention, I don't think that that's like a, a true serious, um, uh, viral marketing campaign for the space. And I, I feel like it's, as it progresses, uh, things will be a lot different right and it'll be interesting because if it's not corporations that kind of want this direction and are not pushing for it it'll be interesting to see the other ways that people push for it and what they do with it to to drive that uh area themselves indeed huh indeed well brett thanks for uh coming on and and chatting with us oh no 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 i meant Sorry, this is Mark's oh, board. I'm not used to it. None of, no, nothing is labeled. <laughs> Color. We got that one. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, so uh, cool. Yeah, and um, if you want to learn more, talk more about cryptocurrency, contact us. Uh, you know, at uh, in our blockchain. And our uh, contact us on our blockchain. Send at, me a hash at brilliancenw.com uh, is where Brett and I. Uh, spend our days so thanks yep thank you brad well, yeah you guys are welcome i hope you have a good rest of your uh sunday here thank we you do. thank you all right talk to you later bye-bye bye close down the zoom that was good yeah
He's a smart. Yeah, guy. like I said, it's it's it does make me feel better that I know there's it's almost like there's there's nothing to get right now. So me right. not getting it feels better that I know I'm like trying to catch fog or something like that, how you can kind of see it <laughs> totally. from the distance. But yeah. yeah, we're we're dealing with the absolute infancy. You know, Bitcoin is the is the biggest application for blockchain right. currently. Well, and, the, and and this NFT craze too. NFT and craze. So we're being introduced it yeah. to it in like ludicrous ways <laughs> that are not sustainable or right. or purposeful. I'm gonna take video. I did my burn pile yesterday and um I brought Michael, who is Colin's older brother. Oh yeah, Michael came with us. That was yeah. kind of cool. So yeah, was fun. I guess we're just rolling into our show here. Oh, yeah. So when we went out on Friday night, um, I took Michael, who was Collins, uh, the, uh, the boy I take care of, his older brother, who just turned 21 in December. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. It's at a, you know, an open thing at a bar. And so I took him and there was a lot of people there at, yeah, that, at that beer opening. Yeah. So that was really fun. And then... Um, and then going to that one Dungeons and Dragons bar that didn't have seating for us that we, the leather works place. That yeah, we, we won't talk about that one, but then we <laughs> ended up at 13th moon gravity. Yes. Well, let's give them a plug. Yeah. And, uh, Ari was the owner of that place and our bartender and he was okay. super friendly and great. Did and you so- know? It's just you and me. Talking. Okay. So Donica, who was a, yeah. the other friend that showed up. Did she pay for your thing? I, I think I meant to bring that up to Brett. Uh, so I think she, we put a card down and she brought our card back to us. I think she paid for the drinks. Okay. Cause yeah, and, uh, me and Michael went up afterwards and she's like, uh, the guy was like, oh no, no, she paid for you. And so I was like, oh, and then she was no, already gone. So yeah, thanks. Donica. Just, <laughs> You're very kind. We introduced her to someone who got her a big job. So she's, oh, okay. Okay. She's perfect. rolling in the dough nice. now with her new fancy job. Yeah. yeah well, that's so. good. <laughs> Thank All you, right. Monica. Yes. Uh, just a quick mention. Uh, and I don't think anyone is going to care about this, uh, but me, but a, um, a famous photographer, fashion photographer guy named Patrick DeMarchelier died over the weekend and he did uh, a ton of stuff. Um, but a lot of it was, uh, he did a lot of stuff for Madonna as well, including this favorite picture. I think the favorite oh, setting yeah, 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 where yeah. she's dressed like Marlon Brando a little bit, but, um, Oh, a well-known fashion photographer outside of, of Madonna, of course, but um, it's weird. It, it's weird growing up pre-internet because, like, you don't you don't know who the people behind the scenes are. Like, it takes a lot of work just to find anything out pre-internet, and so to see now, I'd known his name because they'll usually list credits and stuff like that if you look hard enough. But it's weird to go back and notice that I've never seen him before. But then to see all of the imagery I've seen him be responsible right. for and just right. like the different areas of your life and the different times. And it's it's always a trip when you're like, wow, that that guy was in my life and I had no idea who he was or what he looked like. Totally. Or, and so. like um, it's only been recently that I could pick Danny Elfman up uh, on a police lineup. Like, oh, sure. Like, yeah, I knew his name from Oingo Boingo yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then all of the movies that we loved throughout the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And uh, and he's just ubiquitous, but you don't associate his face. Right. Like, with what oh, that he does. sounds like Danny Elfman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is what, 
<laughs> oh, that sense. You so use good. your ears, right. not your eyes. Right. Oh, that's funny. Well, I forget if I talked about this on the show before, but have I talked about Leon the Lobster? That you, the YouTube video series of YouTube videos. The really, really big one. The big lobster. No. No. So okay, Leon the Lobster, know. and it's just I, I don't know what the guy's channel is outside of it, but there's this older man, maybe in his mid sixties or so. From the sound of it, you never see him. But he must he picked up a lobster at the grocery store and he's like, I wonder if I can keep this alive. He's he's oh, right. knows what we he's doing as far that. as. And so there's been two more updates with Leon. So they show Leon coming home and and him Leon healing from having the, his claws tied and all of that. And and it's just speaking of slow YouTube, it's so soothing to have on in the background because it's just kind of close up pictures of Leon and then this nice old man will just narrate for a while and talk about Leon and but the two they he did a test of like well how smart is Leon and so he'd like devised a couple little thing like can he get the food inside this or whatever and then the latest one is Leon molting and every time I watch one of the Leon videos my two thoughts are lobsters are the weirdest creatures yeah, they really are they are so weird but and then i get superly overly attached to leon <laughs> and like even though i knew he was molting the guy didn't at the time and so like leon was acting weird and not eating and then he like went into the corner and like was looking sick and like just watching him bolt his shell was like it was traumatizing in a way i was not expecting so if, if you haven't uh, uh been on the leon the lobster tip you search that on youtube and you'll find all his videos which is pretty great so i'll skip everything else except to say that um our friend heidi lauman who we used to work with um sent me a text last week and she's like you have to check out the dead eyes podcast and I said, I won't because I have already been listening to it for the last year and a half. And Dead Eyes is this fascinating podcast by this guy named Connor Radcliffe, who is a kind of a comic actor. Um, uh, and it's a story about how he was fired from a bit part off of Band of Brothers by Tom Hanks. And t because Tom Hanks said, quote, he had dead eyes. And this was way like he was just starting okay. his career or whatever. And so it's like making it to Hollywood and having the nicest man in Hollywood say, and so like, and it was a whole thing. And so his podcast <laughs> is all about that, but it's more in a, like, it's more of a philosophical, like what rejection means and like your journey from there. And he like talks to all these different creative people and like their stories. And like, it's this really neat, like life affirming look at how this one thing is. It's not like this obsessive, like I'm out to get Tom Hanks or whatever. Right. And so, and then he has no idea. Like, I think it's two or three seasons. I forget. It just ended and I, I won't spoil the ending, but um, his goal isn't to like go confront Tom Hanks. And <laughs> it's just, it's just a look at my eyes. Yeah. I'm dead eyes. <laughs> and then like, but then like, what does that mean about me? And like, just all of that sort of stuff. And it's, it's a great ride and they talk to a lot of great people and it ends very, very satisfyingly uh, in a way that's not forced and just Sweet. organic. I, and, I'll look forward, uh, I'll look yeah, forward to that. Dead eyes. Have you, have we talked about severance, uh, I think you told me a little oh bit. We gosh. talked about it off air, but I still haven't seen. That's the Apple TV. Apple TV, and we're we're at the penultimate uh, episode for the first season. The season finale is coming on Thursday, and oh my goodness, what a ride! It's an incredible show. Uh, Adam Scott, isn't it? Adam Scott is the main character. It's made by Ben Stiller. Oh right, and uh, he's. I've seen a couple of interviews with him now, and he. Uh, 
kind of started putting this together like five years ago and then pre-production finished like a week before <laughs> lockdown and so they hadn't done any filming yet so then that got delayed like a year right and uh but yeah, the the premise is really simple you have your work memories at work and you have a device that is in your brain that when you leave work your work life stays at work and your home life stays at home and that's a really simple premise but the the complexity comes into like you really have two separate individual people that never can or will meet each other right and one is the innie that works at work and the other is the outie <laughs> who could who controls the life of the innie the innie has no ability to quit uh and the outie and so you can make a request of the outie to quit the outie can say nope uh, I'm doing wow. just fine. Oh, that's Thanks. fascinating. All the yeah. ramifications of doing that. Yeah, oh, interesting. I'll have to watch fascinating. that. Yeah. I love it. Nice. Well, let's move into some news here. Oh, Mark, would you be shocked to know that I recorded a, an episode last week without you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I went on for an hour, almost an hour and a half with the guys from Not Nerd. Oh, yeah. I had did you them do the wiki on, war? And we did a wiki war. And so I finally got to judge nice. uh, a war of Wikipedia, which is really great. So again, yeah, thanks to them. It sounds like uh, they had a good time on the show and it was it was really fun so if you haven't checked it out um check out last week's episode but let's get into some news russia says it will no longer cooperate on the international space station as tensions hit space which is a cool futuristic news sentence uh ending 23 years of international cooperation the announcement prompted by the international sanctions over the war in ukraine is a blow for space exploration because the space station needs constant maintenance to maintain a stable orbit and without russia's contribution could have could have to be decommissioned far sooner than originally planned uh this guy says sanctions in the u.s canada and the european union and japan are aimed at blocking financial economic and production activities of our high-tech enterprises so this must be a man from russia the purpose of the sanction is to kill the russian economy plunge our people into despair and hunger and bring out bring our country to our knees it is clear that they will not be able to do this <laughs> remember the guy in the gulf war uh he was, was like amazing. the spokesman for saddam hussein or whatever and he was always on tv like there are no u.s tanks, tanks. here and like u.s tanks are in the background like <laughs> toppling saddam hussein statues he had, he had a great nickname too uh, i forget yeah you could look that up um so uh, blah, blah, blah. The 240-foot station, space station needs regular boosts from the Russian capsules to maintain its orbit. When uh, cosmonauts arrived on the ISS earlier this month, they were wearing yellow and blue coveralls and what was seen as a gesture of solidarity with the Ukraine. So that apparently is no longer happening. The first ISS component was launched in 1998, and the first long-term residents arrived two years later. Mark Vandehei holds the record for the longest stay on the station, spending 355 days in orbit, breaking the previous record by 15 days. So did you find out a Baghdad, 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 Joe, Baghdad. That wasn't Joe. Baghdad. Something Baghdad, something. Anyway, after a lot of blowback, Portland leaders rethink the plans for the iconic elk statue. Baghdad, Bob, Baghdad, Bob, oh, Mohammed Seed Al-Sharif. Al-Sharif. Wow. That's great. We were looking at one of the, um, one of the entries on wheel of Wikipedia that Dave brought was, 
different items being thrown at politicians <laughs> and of course one of them was the iconic george bush shoe throwing it's amazing that uh <laughs> Uh, city officials have signed the winter had signaled this winter that the fountain with its wide and ruined foundation was a relic that they would not reestablish in its full extent, giving the need for downtown bus and bike lanes. So, yeah, they took down the elk statue um, during the protests last summer or two summers ago. When was that? Yeah, two summers um, ago. Two summers ago and haven't put it back yet. They suggested the elk with a new narrower pestle, uh, pedestal would be because it is in the middle of a street and it is huge and it like goes down to basically rocks um, around uh, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly it was so, um, but there was a barrage of emails, searing essays and a Facebook page with a large following that helped nudge city leaders to reconsider a complete reconstruction. Um, the downtown sculptures base would make space for a bike lane and give buses more room to pass. Um, but a chorus of critics bristled at the idea uh, and last week, Commissioner Dan Ryan, who oversees it, distanced, him, distanced himself from the city proposal and offered a full-throated endorsement. <laughs> Picture him like one of those Mongolian throat singers. <laughs> In support of the statue, I say. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, while the Parks Foundation study will determine an estimated cost, Hawthorne said the revamped project could run as high as Two million dollars. Of course. How? I want, I want that contract. You gotta lay a lay a street and stuff. You have to lay like two hundred feet of street at the most. They're expensive now. They're expensive. Inflation. Inflation. That's two million dollars. Um, the stately statue and its origin original fountain were donated by the city by former mayor David Thompson in nineteen hundred to honor the majestic animal that once widely roamed the, the Willamette value value valley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Willamette value. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to take, you can do the one after this, Mark. I'll okay. do, this was a really long. So I, I usually just open new tab, save to tab for new stories that I see. And then I don't read them until I'm often on the air or editing them right before. And this one, I was like, Oh wow. A new psychedelic drug is sound. How people are using binaural beats to get high. And then like one paragraph into the story, the team notes, there's little evidence backing up these claims and also little research. And, <laughs> and it was a long I article. Like ten, well, I think this was also like 10 years ago. Like <laughs> the, 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 the thing that they were following is like 10 years old. Yeah. So apparently no new news except for this one news outlet that needed some clicks from <clears throat> Todd getting ready for the Mark and Todd cast. So. Uh, Talk to us about TikTok. In, in the in the news of manipulated news, Facebook paid GOP firm to malign TikTok. Facebook parent company Meta is paying one of the biggest Republican consulting firms in the country to orchestrate a nationwide campaign seeking to turn the public against TikTok. The consulting firm, Targeted Victory, <laughs> pushed to get the message out that while Meta is the current punching bag, TikTok is the real threat, especially as a foreign-owned app that is number one in sharing data the young teens are using. The campaign placed op-eds and letters to the editor in various publications accusing TikTok of being a danger to American children. 
along with other disparaging Not like Facebook. Not like Facebook. <laughs> Target, targeted Victory is one of the biggest vendors for Republican campaigns. In 2020, the firm earned over $230 million. million dollars. I want to. I want to. I want to charge two hundred thirty million dollars to malign things. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like right up my alley. <laughs> I'll do most of it for free. <laughs> totally. Take a ten percent discount off that two hundred thirty million. Oh, why don't you do this next one too? Dino Land, an immersive museum of Mike Bennett art, will open downtown this spring. So the former Banana Republic on Southwest Yamhill Street will take will be taken over by cartoonishly cute stegosauruses and triceratops. So Dinoland won't be Bennett's first exhibit downtown. Uh, Director Park's glass box art kiosk currently features his A to Zoo and A-B-S-E-A projects, C projects, A-B-C, which are accompanied by weather-changing lighting. Those weather-changing lighting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, those creations will be on display until April 29th. I think that's just called weather. I think it's weather. Like sometimes it's cloudy and that affects the lighting and sometimes it's <laughs> not cloudy. By weather changing lighting. <laughs> you won't have to wait long for more pop-up Bennett art, though. Once this closes, Dinoland opens May 31st and is scheduled to run uh, uh, Tuesday through Sunday through September 10th. Nice. It'll be fun. Yes, I always enjoy seeing his stuff around. I see a lot of his slow his uh slow, slow signs yeah which Drive is great slow. well oregon's terrible tilly lighthouse is on the market on a private island for sale at 6.5 million dollars so after i malign people for a living i can go live in a lighthouse what a dream real estate investors paid fifty thousand dollars in 1980 to buy the deteriorating tillamook rock lighthouse oregon's only offshore light station the owners converted the forlorn structure which had been brutalized for a century and a half by waves into uh the eternity at sea columbarium mark what is a columbarium i don't know did you look that up and i'll go on oh this might give us a hint about 30 funeral urns were interred there before the columbarium's license was not renewed so it must be a place that you can store funeral urns yeah so you could like like a crematorium but a columbarium a columbarium that i love there's some amazing there photos photo? of, oh wow of the lighthouse terrible tilly lighthouse <sighs> wow and uh yeah as global warming comes, that that should be a sound investment. Yes. Yeah, so for only six five uh, six point five million, you can get the ice the island's isolated, impossible boat landings and extreme weather, as well as the crew's dislike of their months long stay. Um, that's how it got the name of Terrible Tilly. It was built in eighteen eighty one at great expense. Um, let's see. Oh, can only be reached by helicopter with the owner's permission. Otherwise it's a federal client crime. And when the weather allows and sea lions aren't blocking the landing pad. So they, uh, the last guy bought it for $27,000 in 1978. It has no fresh water, sewer lights or place to land. Perfect. <laughs> but you can store up to 300,000 urns there. So that's good. <laughs> Uh, or as we would call a million dollar home in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> it's open concept. Well, mall 205 will mm, yeah. no longer be a mall. It's tenants home for a second chance. Where Mark? 
at Lloyd Center. At Lloyd Center. <laughs> so this goes on. There's an owner of the All American Magic Shop, Mike Burneth. Burn, I don't have my glasses on. Mark Benthamer. Ben, yeah. Uh, so Benthamer. he's moving, and he says whoever he tells he's moving to Lloyd Center, they said, Lloyd Center's still open? So its last day will be March 31. And this sentence from this news article says, to be, fair, to be fair, the history of Mall 205 has been little more than crappy owners making crappy decisions over 51 crappy years. <laughs> uh, just five years before it became Mall 205 in 1964, um, the, it was an expensive plot housed, housed the West Coast's largest private sanitarium and a de facto work farm awarded lavish federal subsidies with negligible negligible oversight to serve as a designed treatment facility for some 5,000 Alaskan residents deemed mentally ill. (laughs) Jeez Louise, the dark history of Mall 205. Um, So yeah, look for All-American Magic and Demba. I don't know what Demba is, but you can get it at All-American Magic and Demba. Have become the late oh the latest yeah so they'll be at Lloyd Center so there is that. <sighs> Did we find out what a columbarium? Or are we just assuming it's a yeah? <laughs> You're just surfing the internet for other things to do while I read the news. <laughs> it is a columbarium. Fair it's- enough. Well, good news for me. Live cold, die old. A lower body temperature is linked to a longer life. <laughs> which is very good news for me, who is always freezing cold no matter where I go. So a columbarium is any room that holds urns okay. uh, for like crematorium kind of, or mausoleum. I wonder what the derivation of that word is. They're in columns. Column. Oh, is it that simple? I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking like Columbia. Well, researchers say that the key Maybe how changes in metabolism affect an individual's body temperature. Typically having a lower metabolic rate also lowers the body temperature. So they did a study where they they put fans on rats and see how long see if they lived any longer. <laughs> they don't necessarily live longer, but they don't have a shortened lifespan. But they want to die because they're like, for the love of God, I'm freezing cold. Can you turn that fan off? <laughs> Sorry. No, the uh, exposing the rodents to warmer temperatures shortened their lifespans. So while like it's not like the colder ones are living far longer than rat expectancy, they are at least not dying sooner. So good news for us cold people. One last story. Dancing is good for masculinity and helps men understand their identity. A research team conducted a survey of men who took part in a boys dance group or in, who took part in boys dance groups between 1990 and 2008. he said dancing was a good way of expressing themselves physically and made them more positive about their bodies. It also helped them grow more confidence in discussing life's important questions. The sport also made them more aware of their bodies and made them capable of reading other people's body language. Additionally, these lessons helped them understand the concept of being different and help them cooperate with different kinds of people. Um, one said the hobby saved him from having a narrow outlook on life, but they noted, oh, they noted they could express themselves in class in an environment which allowed them to be very different than who they were as teenagers in school. Uh, the participants also accepted the participants also accepted rather than, oh, accepted rather than frowned upon the diversity of bodies in the class. 
Um, and this is all interesting because obviously our attitudes towards gender roles um, have not encouraged uh, boys to stay in dance classes. And most of those boys say that they did in fact stop dance either because they're uh, mostly because of their peers uh, did not think that dancing is a masculine thing to do. Um, and so as gender roles are starting to change, we're starting to see that uh, people who Study authors say partner. Oh, partner dance and folk dance are generally more acceptable for men, while ballet, jazz, and contemporary dancers sexualizes face sexualities face more scrutinies. In other words, if you dance, you must be gay. The researcher in the uh, participatory participatory dance, men's bodies are the subject of an audience gaze, a, a role that is traditionally reserved for women. Oh, that's interesting. So blah blah blah. Uh, most of the interviews pointed out that dancing is the best way to express oneself physically. Mark is uh, lighting. So the much more interesting thing than the whatever, how this dancing is, this story is going to dance off into the, <laughs> into this, into the sunset. So Mark, uh, we've talked before about his um, little fireball fire bowl that he made out of concrete. It's maybe a half a foot long. No. Sure. <laughs> That's a, that is the worst way to describe something round and the size of a 45 record <laughs> as being two inches long. <laughs> but you just sprayed some more uh, uh, isopropyl alcohol in it and you had a penny balancing on the side to heat it up. But half <laughs> a long time ago during Brett's interview, you knocked the penny into the isopropyl alcohol <laughs> and then now taken it back out. But you just lit it and it, it uh, made a big flame noise. So... That is a great signal for us to wrap this up. So a columbarium. Yeah. <laughs> so it um, it does, it's a structure for the respectful and usually public storage of funeral urns uh, holding the cremated remains of the deceased. The term can also mean the nesting boxes of pigeons. And the term comes from the Latin columba, which is a dove. And originally solely referred to the compartmentalized housing for doves and pigeons, also known as a dovecote. Interesting. So do you think Columbia is named for doves? Because uh, it, it, it's a Latin piece. Derivide. Yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. Land of peace. Columbarium. Columbarium. I should start referring to my cat. Well, I guess I <laughs> that makes no sense at all. I was thinking a place of peace and tranquility, but not, I guess that's just surrounded by other people's dead bodies. <laughs> all right. Yay. Well, let's wrap this up before that file goes over an hour because then it splits it into three files and I don't want to deal with that. So thank you everyone uh, for listening. Uh, thank you to Fun Employment Radio, who do a show every week. Uh, oh, uh, Aaron Duran of Geek in the City, who is also uh, found on the Fun Employment Radio. Uh, his comic was released this week, so go uh, go in, up to uh, all comic shops, no matter where you live. It should have copies of Season of the Brujera. Um, I'm going to pick mine up tomorrow. He had a signing party and looked like nice. that was a success, successful party. So I go. Heard, heard an interview with him on NPR and, and whoa, really well. yeah, uh, OPB, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's yeah, great. great. Yeah, so uh, season of the Brujera. Go pick that up at a comic shop near you. Other than that, I'll take. Ooh, I've. <laughs> I feel like it's in like uh, we're on live television and I have 30 seconds to kill before it's <laughs> before our show's over but I guess there's no stretch stretch let's talk about masculinity and dancing again the findings are published in a book called masculinity intersectionality and identity why boys don't dance ah uh, all, right. all right see you guys later thanks ah!